0: Sometimes all we need is a jolt, a fresh idea, an aha moment that connects us to a sense of possibility. This, my friends, is what I call an electric idea. Welcome back to Electric Ideas. Today's guest is Kiri Axelrod. Kiri is a functional medicine nutritionist and a nationally recognized expert in a holistic, integrative approach to gut health, women's health, and mental well-being. Kiri founded her own company, and in her work with clients, she uses nutritional science and the integrative modalities of functional medicine, Ayurveda, yoga, meditation, and more. She also created a program called the Anxiety Blueprint, which helps women get to the root of their gut issues and mood symptoms for once and all. Kiri's been featured in lots of national publications, including Pure Wow, Real Simple, Birdie, Reader's Digest, Prevention Magazine, and Well and Good. She also has a slew of qualifications. So here we go. She completed her nutrition and dietetics training at Simmons University in Boston. She trained at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and has completed numerous advanced trainings and functional medicine nutrition. She completed a 200-hour yoga training from Boston School of Yoga, her Ayurvedic training through Boston Ayurveda School. And last but not least, she completed the stress management and resiliency training at Benson-Henry Institute for Mind-Body Medicine at Massachusetts General Hospital. I really believe we're going to be learning more and more about the gut-brain connection as more research is done in coming years. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you because I know you're going to have some great takeaways that you can use immediately in your life. Let's get into it. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited you're here because I feel like this whole gut-brain connection is a hot topic and being thrown around a lot right now, but I don't know that everybody is actually clear on what that means. And you've said our gut and brain are in constant two-way communication. So I thought we could start by just level setting. What is this all about? And give us some basic info.
1: (laughs) Of course. I think exactly what you said. The gut-brain connection is sort of thrown around as a topic and rightfully so there's a lot of interest in it, but it can get lost on like what exactly that means. And I think for this conversation, I just want to set the stage to sort of remove any stigma about the conversation regarding mental wellness, regarding anxiety, regarding gut health. And that this is a topic that affects so many people. One in five Americans will have a diagnosable mental health condition in their lifetime. That's one in five American adults. That is a very similar rate to cancer. So that is something that touches all of us. I don't know about you, but I have five people in my immediate family. So that statistic really, really hits home. And that this isn't something that's sort of outside of people that I know. This is something that not only has affected my life, but has affected family, friends, people I love. And the other important thing to sort of know is that research right now is showing that about 50 to 60% of people respond to uh, psychiatric medication and therapy, but only of those 50 to 60 people that even respond to those modalities, only about a quarter of patients have a complete resolution of symptoms. So about 25% of that 50 or 60% of people. And I say that not because I think that medication is bad or that therapy is bad in the right time and place. I'm a huge proponent actually of both of those, but it really, that type of statistic really kind of got me thinking about what Else is going on with our mental wellness? If it's not just therapy, if it's not just medication that can solve what we are all experiencing, then sort of what else could be going on in our bodies that could be contributing to, you know, symptoms such as nervousness, anxiety, brain fog, fatigue, you know, traditional GI issues like constipation and loose stools and gas and bloating. So that's really kind of what piqued my interest on this topic. And so when I think about the gut brain connection specifically, the way in which I think about the gut brain connection is really in in three ways. I think about our our gut being physically connected, I think about our gut and our brain being chemically connected, and then I think about our gut and our brain being emotionally connected. And I can and sort of dive in what all of those different areas mean. You know, so the, the gut and the brain are, are connected physically and they're connected physically right from the embryo stage. So we have something called the neural crest cells that are cells in a developing embryo. And those are the cells that create our brain and our spinal cord, our central nervous system. And in a developing embryo, after those cells create our brain and our spinal cord, they actually migrate to our gut. And start developing our enteric nervous system in the gut. And so, right from like early development, our gut and our brain are really intimately connected. And so, our enteric nervous system contains about 100 to 500 million neurons. It's actually the largest collection of neurons in the human body. So, there is a a strong physical connection. And then Way back to your question about the, you know, constant communication and, and the two-way superhighway, the gut and the brain are also connected via something called the vagus nerve. And I'm going to really simplify the vagus nerve, and that I think about the vagus nerve as the queen of our parasympathetic nervous system. And I think about the parasympathetic nervous system as our rest and digest state. So really our ability to just chill. Out And I don't know anyone that wouldn't want to sort of, you know, the ability to, to chill out more. And so the vagus nerve signals run in both directions, meaning the brain can influence the gut and the gut can influence the brain. So communication between the two and that physical communication is really going in, in both directions. And then I think about the chemical connection because that's just as important. And I'm sure listeners have heard about the majority of serotonin being produced in the gut, and that is that is true. About ninety, I've heard anything between between like seventy five percent and ninety percent of our, our serotonin. But more and more research is actually showing that that serotonin may not cross the blood brain barrier. And that it may not have an effect on our neurotransmitters in our brain as much as we originally thought. And I think that that's important to sort of keep in mind when we think about any research on the gut-brain connection is like, we're just scratching the surface now. But that doesn't mean there isn't a chemical connection between the gut and the brain. And one of the ways the gut and the brain are chemically connected is through something called short-chain fatty acids. And I think this is really interesting because you're Gut microbes produce these short-chain fatty acids. And the short-chain fatty acids are produced based on the food you eat, so fermentable fiber. So you can think about beans and oats and root vegetables and fruit. And these short-chain fatty acids can cross the blood-brain barrier, and they are responsible for modulating memory, brain cognition, and neurotransmitter activity. So I really think about the chemical connection between the gut and the brain via the short chain fatty acids. And the emotional connection we can sort of dive into as we get going. But, you know, one statistic that always really sort of sticks with a lot of people is that it takes about two hours of psychological stress to completely change the bacteria in our gut. So it is very, very, very sensitive to the internal and external stress. Yes. Well,
0: first of all, I just wanted to say thank you for setting the stage because I know that we kind of want to really unpack this role that gut health potentially plays in some of the mental health symptoms that a lot of women seem to be experiencing, but I want to reflect back. I love what you said because I know you've shared in your own personal journey that if people are finding traditional treatment that's helping them, wonderful. But I think that there's a lot of women out there that are just looking for something different or just are feeling unseen, like they're having anxiety symptoms and it it just might be coming from a different place. So let's get a little bit more into just some general signs that we could maybe stand to improve our gut health.
1: Yeah. One of the biggest misconceptions around gut health is that you have to be having traditional GI symptoms in order to need to work on your gut health. And I say that if you're experiencing GI symptoms and the most common GI symptoms that I see in my private practice is constipation, the loose stools, abdominal pain, gas, bloating. Those are major red flags that You need to investigate your gut health further. Absolutely. It's like, do not pass go. (laughs) Do not collect $200. You have to work on your your gut health. But then there are also certainly non-traditional symptoms you may be experiencing that also can relate back to the gut. And so I think about anxiety, not just having one root cause of GI health, but I also think about hormone health hormone health can certainly be a root cause of anxiety. And we have something called, I'm going to throw out sort of a a more scientific term, but I'll explain what it is. We have something called the esterobalome in our gut. And that is the bacteria that is responsible or, or to help with estrogen detoxification and estrogen modulation. And so if that bacteria is out of balance in our gut, we can have signs and symptoms of estrogen dominance. And so that can be really painful periods. That can be like severe cramping, PMS, all of these symptoms that particularly in the in the practice that I that I have in the clients that I see when women are going to their doctor, they're told, "Oh, this is just normal. You know, maybe it's perimenopause. You know, maybe it's age, or, or there's nothing really we can do for you besides take some birth control." But if there's any type of of hormone symptoms, we really want to think about the gut as well, and then I also think about nutrients and minerals. And one of the biggest kind of like signs and symptoms that minerals and nutrients really need work is chronic fatigue and adrenal issues, the not being able to get out of bed in the morning, being reliant on caffeine, those afternoon energy crashes, which I see so, so commonly. And certainly all of that is is, is sort of linked back to the gut as well. And that, you know, the really the site of nutrient and mineral absorption happens in both the small intestine and then a little bit in the large intestine as well. And then I think about mental wellness and mental health symptoms uh, certainly being a sign that we've got to work on our our gut health. So that chronic fatigue, the brain fog, anxiety, et cetera.
0: I'm really glad that you said that because I think that there are going to be some women listening who might have... A petite mind blow, because (laughs) maybe they have what they feel like is a pretty okay GI system, but they have some of these other experiences. And they hadn't even thought to link it to gut health. So I know when women come to work with you, you have tons of tools in your toolkit and so much training and it's health is so individual, right? But I do believe and based on what you just said that we can all improve our gut health. So are there some kind of global recommendations you have for women who either want to just try something different or see if it makes a difference in how they are feeling?
1: Yeah. So I'll answer that question. But the first thing I want to say is no two gut microbiomes are, are the same in that you can be experiencing the same exact symptoms as someone else but your root cause in the gut is completely different and that's the most important thing to know and so this sort of blanket recommendation that we all just need a probiotic or you know we all just need to be doing the same exact thing with our gut really doesn't work and i i think that that leads to a lot of frustration so i am a really big proponent of testing and the right supplementation. Really personalized supplementation based on your lab results that can target that. So with that said, you know, my global recommendations really are focused on some of the foundations that I consider of health so that, you know, no one can really go wrong with with working on these. And I think a lot of times with just like the onslaught of information, honestly that we're all sort of susceptible to that you know, the, the first step is always like jumping to whatever supplement someone's promoting and telling you that it's going to solve all of your problems without actually working on the foundations. And the way that I see it is that a lot of us are are sort of trying to, to build the attic of our home first without actually building the foundation. And then we're wondering why things aren't working and everything continues to sort of like crumble to the ground. And so some of the foundations of health that I'm a huge proponent of, and I work on with all of my clients before we get lab results back, are things like balancing your blood sugar. It is not sexy, but I will go out on a limb and make a very blanket statement here that I very rarely make, and that I don't think you can solve anxiety without focusing on your blood sugar. And that the way in which our body is designed it is designed to tightly regulate glucose levels but unless you're in actual ketosis that your brain needs to run on glucose And so your body's going to do everything possible to regulate its glucose levels. And so if your blood glucose levels gets too low, your body starts releasing cortisol. It starts releasing adrenaline. And what I say, though, those are your freak out hormones, right? They're going to cause you to be anxious. They're going to cause you to be nervous. You're not going to be able to concentrate and you're going to go into fight or flight mode. And those are the same exact feelings that are also associated with anxiety, and so, you know, some of the foundations of health are really about sort of focusing on stabilizing blood sugar, which is healthy fat, it's protein, it's fiber. Those are really sort of the key components of balancing blood sugar and and really meal timing in that as well. So that's another like, do not pass go, do not collect $200 unless you're working on balancing your blood sugar. Real quick, let me jump yeah. in and just ask one yeah. more question there, just because I think... That's a rich
0: topic in and of itself. First of all, I just want to reflect back that I, I love your approach of like building the foundation and that these would be something that everyone would do, even if they didn't do the testing. And I would question if maybe even doing these foundations first, if they are able to start doing them on their own. For some women, they might have a dramatic shift taking these initial steps. But I don't know that the average woman really knows how to regulate her blood sugar. Can you give us just one layer deeper of like what that would look like in practice?
1: Yeah. And I can give you some examples of clients who are in my current practice. You know, this is where the personalization of of blood sugar balance really does come into play because it, it will and it can look different for each person, and it can look different depending on where you're at and your menstrual phase of life. So, for example, like it could look different for for someone who's postmenopausal versus premenopausal because there's just a hormone shift, obviously that happens. And so I will talk from sort of premenopausal. Topic because, you know, that would probably mean eating breakfast and, you know, not considering coffee your breakfast and, you know, eating before noon. And so the big thing I see is coffee is breakfast and there's nothing else consumed besides coffee before noon. That's going to be very, very harsh on your adrenals and that's going to be very, very dysregulating to blood sugar as well. And I always like to say, caveats like i'm not saying that there's not a time and a place for for fasting there's a lot of science on cell autophagy and sort of the benefits in, in that way so what i'm very specifically talking about here is balancing blood sugar for Gut health and for your nervous system, which is going to be very different than the science of longevity, right? And so, I just want to be really clear because someone might be very focused on longevity, and the recommendations might be different for them.
0: Mm-hmm. I understand um, that that distinction because I know some women are, you know, hot into intermittent intermittent, intermittent. yeah, <laughs> fasting and that sort of thing. But also, I think it's important that some people realize that the downside sometimes of fasting might not be worth the trade-off because I don't think that women necessarily have linked that with potentially adding to feelings of anxiety. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, yeah. And the way that I think about it is – Fasting is a stress on your body and you have to be in a state of health where you can handle that excess stress. So if your adrenal glands are depleted, your nervous system is depleted and you know, you're know you dealing with GI issues, and then you're going to try and add a stress on the body of fasting to that, that's almost like adding fuel to the fire there. So we have to get the body back into a state of health, in my opinion, before fasting is actually appropriate.
0: Okay, that's really clear. and thank you for making that distinction. Yeah. Okay, so back to the blood sugar question. Yeah. <laughs> no, a, no. so I feel like there's every question unravels a few more questions. It's a system, yeah. So that's okay. yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. and I think that health can look different for for each person. and I think that that's just a, a place that we need to come to of like acceptance that we all don't have to be doing the same thing. But if you're dealing with GI issues again, like lots of fatigue and anxiety, fasting would not be my first recommendation. So, you know, making sure that you have a nourishing breakfast, preferably like one to two hours of waking. I'm usually typically in practice with clients recommending about 25 to 35 grams of protein at breakfast. You're pairing that with healthy fat and a whole source of carbohydrate. And then caffeine can usually come after your meal. So that's okay. going to set you up for a really sort of stable blood sugar to start your day, and that change alone can make a huge impact for women. Give us like
0: one or two of Carrie Axlerod's favorite breakfasts, because I think a lot of women struggle with the the breakfast quandary. I I yeah. mean, I'll be honest, I've been really focused on protein intake because it really does impact my energy level. And if I stop and actually take the time to look at what I'm eating and see, oh, okay, I was like, I'm having protein. If I really looked at it, it was usually like five or six grams of protein in my breakfast. And when I really intentionally get more in, I have more sustained energy throughout the day, I've noticed. But I feel like breakfast is a quandary for a lot of women. They're usually trying to get out the door. Sometimes they're ushering kids and getting their day started. So what? what's like a fast and a slow
1: breakfast for you? How Yeah, about that? yeah, I think that that's great. <laughs> Protein is very important for energy and it's also the building blocks of our neurotransmitters. And so, I mean, we can't talk have the conversation about mental health without thinking about protein as well. So, you know, I'm a huge fan of rotating eggs in as long as there's no allergy. I think we can get into an issue with digestive health when we're eating eggs every single day because they are a top Allergen, they can be a top gut irritant. So, I'm a huge fan of just like cycling things in. And the biggest thing to know is one one egg has about seven grams of protein. So, you know, we need to think about like three eggs at breakfast to really get the level of of protein in which we need. So, I'm a huge fan of eggs. I think that they're they're a great, quick and easy protein source. Now that it's summer, I'm also just a huge fan of smoothies. They're easy. It's easy to get protein. It's easier to get fiber and it's easy to get healthy fat in there. So I'm usually recommending with clients like a really clean bone broth protein that's got like 20 grams of protein per scoop. So you're just using about a scoop and a half. And then you can throw in, as long as it's tolerated with the gut, you can throw in some frozen cauliflower, spinach, a little bit of avocado, and maybe a berry. And you're sort of good to go with, you know, the essentials that you need. Thank you. I think it's helpful because sometimes
0: women just need a little inspiration in terms of like, okay, I can do that. Yeah. (laughs) One other, since we're going down the kind of nutrition alley for just a minute, I want to circle back because you mentioned how you've made it so clear. And I love it that Ideally, we'd tailor our, you know, minerals and supplements and that sort of thing. But the whole prebiotic, probiotic information is out there. And I take them both. I'll be honest. But I don't know if they're doing anything or not. And I'm totally the person that's just like... (laughs) <laughs> maybe victim isn't the right word, but like victim to marketing, I, I'd i rather yeah. err on the side of doing it. But what what's your take on incorporating those and if we should just try to get them in our diet or if we should supplement?
1: Yeah, I think that, and I'll absolutely answer that question, but I think it, that goes back to, like the broader question is, is can we get all of the nutrients and nutrition that we need from our food? And my belief right now is no. But also I see way too much an over-reliance on supplements instead of prioritizing food. And so I think like anything in, in nutrition, it's it's a balance. And that really like the root of the definition of supplement is to supplement something, right? So supplements need to be supplementing the diet. And so supplements can never be a focus over the diet. Like nutrition has to be the most important thing. So that is how I approach supplementation. I use supplementation in practice, absolutely, but it is never in replace of focusing on, on food. So I think you can get a lot of prebiotics in the gut from some of those like fermentable fibers and prebiotic foods. And then in terms of supplementation, there is a time and a place and adding in a probiotic, too quickly into a gut health regimen or, or for gut health or adding in the wrong probiotic can actually exacerbate symptoms, especially if there's dysbiosis and you're using a probiotic that can feed some of the strains of bacteria that we don't necessarily want to be feeding, or there's just like an overgrowth and the gut isn't ready for, probiotics and prebiotics. So sometimes there needs to be like a a cleanup phase that I like to say before we want to really be feeding bacteria in the gut.
0: Thank you for clarifying that. I feel like this just kind of goes back to two things that are coming really clear to me through our conversation. There's really no one size fits all, but also Mm -hmm it makes sense. The word is supplement, but I think a lot of people haven't built what you're talking about, this foundation with nutrition and they're doing shiny object and hoping it makes them feel better.
1: Yeah. And like no blaming. I get it. I was at a place in my health at one point that if someone told me anything would make me feel better, I did (laughs) it. You know, no research. I was, someone told me that it was going to make me feel better. And I was like, sign me up, like, you know, and so. I really do empathize with being in that place. And it's really why the mission I have around functional medicine and nutrition is that we have to build the strong foundations of health as well.
0: I feel like a lot of women who probably are lucky enough to find you have exhausted some more traditional healthcare mm-hmm. routes. And I know based on our brief discussion that you kind of and and tell me if this is wrong, but I, I feel like you kind of went through a major stressful career, took a, a step back thinking it was a month break and it ended up being a, a decade break and leading <laughs> to what you're doing now. Is that fair? <laughs> yeah.
1: One of my mentors said you like took a sabbatical and you're still on sabbatical. So I certainly never intended to have a career in in functional integrative nutrition. So my, my career started in, in political communications. I like to say a lot of hard work and being in the right time and the right place that my career took off from a very, very young age. I was also someone that just knew I was going to work in in politics, I knew I was going to undergrad in D.C. Like from the age of 12. I was like the the weird, like freakish child that was like, I'm going to school in D.C. This is my life. And I'm so grateful for that experience and that I ended up on the presidential campaign trail. And I was in Iowa and I was in New Hampshire and I was in South Carolina. And, and through that, I ended up working for the Democratic National Committee during President Obama's first term and running communications in the state of Pennsylvania during that time. And it was an incredible experience. And at the same time, my health really declined. And, you know, like so many clients that I work with and probably so many women... Listening at that time, I went from doctor to doctor and was like, really, like, what is wrong with me? You know, I was experiencing extreme fatigue. It was hard to get out of bed in the morning, and like, I really wasn't in a place, uh, you know, a, a job where I could like call out sick, or I wasn't in a place in life where I could like take a few hours off from from work. I had crippling anxiety and panic every day to the point where there were some days I like couldn't get on a train because I couldn't be in such a small in, into into such a small place. And you know the only answers that I was getting were try this medication. You know, there's really nothing we can we can do for you. I knew nothing. I I, I do a lot with manifestation now and and intuition, and I knew nothing about that at that time. But something deep down inside just told me that the answers I was getting were were not correct, and that you know that I needed to find something else. And so I resigned from my position thinking I was just going to take a month off and start an, another less stressful job in the United States Senate, which is hilarious to me that that time my frame of reference <laughs> was like a less stressful job. In
0: yeah.
1: um, and then through a, a series of events, I found some incredible functional and integrative practitioners that really helped me start putting the pieces together in terms of the root cause of some of my symptoms, which were GI, thyroid, nutrients. And i sort of have gone through a series of, of mold exposure as well.
0: I can't help but, uh, but say that at the time, you trusted your gut. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Which, like, what does that phrase even mean to you now that you're in this place? Yeah. It has to have a lot more layers than the average <laughs> cliche.
1: Yeah. yeah, it does. I think what it means to me is the question that I ask a lot of my clients. And it's, what do you think it is? I have a lot of knowledge and I've been at this for 10 years in various modalities, studying and degrees and certifications, but I never live in someone else's body. And, you know, nobody lives in my body. And I think when we can kind of peel away some of the layers, our body does always know best. And sometimes we just need the support for someone to listen to us and be like, yeah, that could be it. And, you know, let's explore that pathway. And here are some ways I can support you in this realm.
0: I know this is a complex topic, but I do feel like I promised listeners I would hone in on the link between gut health and anxiety. Is there any other research or just aspects of this situation that you want to make sure you leave my listeners with?
1: Yes. So I, I spend a lot of time delving into research and I will never... Make the, the statement that I'm a research expert because I think that that requires a high level of expertise beyond any of the sort of classes and training that I, that I've had. But I do spend a lot of time and and research and have been trained in it. And that, you know, really what I'm seeing now is the link between gut health and mental health is only becoming stronger. And that, you know, we're not seeing a ton of research come out to say like, no, this was all a sham, like it doesn't exist, right? What what the trend is, is saying is that this link is, you know, that there's more layers and more complexity to this link than what we've previously thought. And so I would say as a whole, that research is just really continuing to support that we need to be thinking about gut health when we're thinking about mental health. There was an interesting research article that came out in February 2022, so a little over a year ago, and it was in molecular psychiatry. And I like this this research because... What it found was that higher rates of dysbiosis in the gut, so that really dysbiosis means an imbalance of bacteria or or sort of pathogens, that higher rates of dysbiosis were correlated to higher rates of chronic fatigue and mental illness. So -hmm. they were looking at very specific markers in the gut, like lipopolysaccharides, zonulin, which is a marker of sort of inflammation in the gut. And the higher those markers were in the gut, the more positively they were correlated with chronic fatigue which i know so many women are dealing with and different mental illnesses so that was like a you know we really got to we really need to think about gut health i also think that there was a really interesting study and i've shared this on on my instagram as well i think this one came out in 2021 and i forget the source but it was a peer reviewed journal uh, it looked at Two groups of participants, and it was those who associated with the emotion of loneliness and those who associated with uh, the emotions of compassion and wisdom. So two groups. And what they found was is that there were higher rates of dysbiosis, so lower rates of beneficial bacteria in the group that associated with the emotion of loneliness than in the group that associated with compassion and wisdom. Wow and i think that that study is really interesting because if we go all the way back to the beginning of our conversation when you asked me about the two-way communication and what the study didn't didn't conclusively be able to say is whether loneliness contributed to lower rates of beneficial bacteria or the lower rates of beneficial bacteria contributed to the the loneliness and i don't think we can really deduce that down right because we're it's moving in both directions and so it's probably you know a combination of both
0: fascinating. It sounds to me like this is going to be something we're just going to be hearing more and more about in coming years, which is exciting. I'm glad there is more research, you know. So, yeah. All right, Carrie. Well, I always end my episodes with a reflection. So, especially now that you said you're more attuned to your intuitive side, I want to ask you when it comes to gut health and well-being, what's one question women could benefit from asking themselves more? is what i'm currently doing serving me. beautiful. so i think we covered a ton of territory in a small amount of time but i hope that my audience finds you and continues to learn from you because you have a gift for sharing information in a way that just feels accessible and draws us all in. so Tell us, where can we follow you? Where can we get more Carrie Axelrod in our lives?
1: I would love to connect with you if you're listening. You can find me on Instagram, which is at Carrie Axelrod. So my name, K-E-R-R-I, last name is Axelrod, A-X-E-L-R-O-D. If you find me over on Instagram, send me a DM, say hi. And then on my website, kerryaxerhad.com, I actually have a quiz that you can take for free. It's a 60 second quiz. And the name of the quiz is your health is running like a U.S. city, which city are you? And it helps you really walk through what could potentially be the root cause of your unique health issues.
0: Oh my gosh, that is so fun. I'll try to share out a link in my stories for that too. That's-
1: okay, awesome. Yeah, you can find it right on my homepage. Um, it will pop up.
0: All right, great. Well, thank you. This has been a delight. Thank you so much for joining me today. Of course, thank you for having me. I'm so glad you joined me today. If you're looking for more, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at Whitney Woman. And if you enjoyed the show, I invite you to support me by leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Hope you have an inspired day.